Open with you, your Bibles, if you will, with me to the book of Matthew. It's, um, it's, it's uh, been a while since uh, we finished up the study that, that I was on. And uh, the Lord has uh, given me pr- privilege and had several people speak. And I've been able to speak on some different things. But I've been praying. I, 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 I just love and I, I love uh, preaching kind of through a, a book or, 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 you know, a topic or something like that. And um, as I prayed and prayed and prayed and just sought the Lord, Lord, what, what, what do you want, you know, what do you want me to share? Uh, and, I, and I realized 30, 30 something years of pastoring and I preached through Mark and I preached through Luke and I preached through John and, and the book of Acts and a lot of different books, most of the, of the letters in the New Testament. And I realized I'd never preached through the book of Matthew. And... Um, and uh, I have no idea why I've never preached through the book of Matthew. I preached, obviously, there's some powerful sections there of the, of the five, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the, of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and, and a lot of neat stuff. But the, but the more I prayed and the more I just began reading and, and reading about Matthew and, and all this, I, I really got kind of excited. Uh, I did get excited. So, uh, so right now... My goal is set on, on Matthew. I don't know if I want to preach, just take it and go through it uh, a verse at a time. That's what I love to do. But, uh, but we're going to start there, and uh, we're going to see what, see what happens. It's, it's just kind of interesting. Renan is a, uh, is a, was a French skeptic. Okay, so that's consider the source. He, he was not a believer. He was a skeptic of the faith. But, but Renan, I'm quoting him, said that Matthew is the most important book of all Christendom. And he went on to say that the most important book that has ever been written anywhere is the gospel of Matthew. Now, that is from a, a French skeptic. So uh, I thought, Wow. And if you look at that, it's kind of the first book in the in the New Testament. It's kind of the it's kind of the the, the hinge between uh, uh, you know between the the Old Testament and the in the New Testament. There, matter of fact, uh, the Old Testament, and we're going to see this. The Old Testament uh, is is types and foreshadows and prophecies uh, to the nation of Israel primarily, but but telling that someone was coming, a Messiah was on the way. Uh, a redeemer was on the way. He was coming, and that's that's the that's the that's the message as we read through the Old Testament. And then when we when we get to the book of Matthew, the writer of Matthew seems to be shouting, "He's here! He's here!" Um, the writer was uh, a disciple. He's called Levi. Um, I, I don't know. I've looked at this. I can't find um, Levi is a Greek name. Uh, best I can find, Matthew is a Hebrew name for the same for Levi. Uh, and I know that Jesus changed, was it uh, the other disciple? Simon. You remember he said, Simon, and he renamed him Peter. Uh, and, and, and somewhere along the line, I, but I, I couldn't verify. Maybe you, maybe you know it can help me do that biblically. I don't know if Jesus renames Levi. Matthew or not I don't know that but anyway he's uh, it's 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 the same Levi and Matthew are the same person um, and he was a, he was a uh, Jewish 
What was his occupation? Tax collector. He was, he was, he was on his job collecting taxes when, um, when Jesus called him to follow him. Wasn't, uh, he wasn't the most popular guy in town. Matter of fact, uh, Jewish tax collectors that worked for the Roman government collecting taxes from, from their own countrymen, from Jews, were hated. They were despised. Uh, you remember the story in the gospel accounts there of, uh, who was the other guy? Nicodemus? Nicodemus, that was a tax collector. And, and you remember, no, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and uh, climbed a tree because nobody let him get in to see Jesus there. And he's going through Jericho and Jesus goes home with him. And one of the things that Jesus confronted with Zacchaeus was, and, and Zacchaeus with, with Christ there in his home under the conviction said, hey, that which I have taken illegally or by usury or you know, unjustly, I'm going to restore. And he told how he was going to do that. And Jesus, and listened to Zacchaeus, Jesus would say, hey, surely today salvation has come to this house. So uh, the, the way that the tax collectors, the amount of profit they made was how much more they could collect above what Rome required. So this was Levi, but yet here Jesus was, and uh, he, he tells him, come follow me. And Levi does. Matthew, the writer of this book, gets up and followed Jesus. Um, some, uh, some sources say that, and, and I haven't counted them all yet, but one of the things that I looked at is that there's 53 quotations. Matthew quotes from the Old Testament 53 times in this gospel, and there's 76 references uh, to other passages in the Old Testament. Now, how many books are there in the Old Testament? 39. And, out of the, and Matthew makes reference to at least 25 of those. So he is, he is a Jewish man that is probably very familiar with, uh, with the Jewish religion and with the teachings of the, the prophets and the, law, the laws and the prophets and Moses and all that. Um, so we're going we're gonna, makes, to, it makes sense then as we read this, that, that Matthew is going to come across primarily as a gospel that is written with a Jew, from a Jewish framework. Matter of fact, some, there's a lot of evidence that says that Matthew was written in Hebrew originally. It's interesting to find that out. Uh, uh, there's kind of a little bit of discussion about when he, it was written. Best I can determine from, from what I've, the sources I've read and what I believe to be, is that probably Mark was one of the earlier Gospels. Matthew would, was, was pretty much was early on with Mark. Maybe it may have been Mark first and then Matthew, but pretty much. And then, of course, we know then Luke and then John would be, would be a little bit later. But uh, one of the things that, um, that, that interested me, uh, just it was interest to me in the Gospels, these four, this perspective of the Gospels, um, is that uh, four times in the Old Testament, four times, uh, references made to Christ, very specifically, in each one of these four times, it's always introduced with the phrase, now he's, he's referenced many more times, but there's four times where, where the Old Testament writers use the word behold. Like, we're going we're to go there just in a minute, but in, in Zechariah 9.9, 9, the, the writer of Zechariah says, Behold thy king, O Israel. Behold thy king, O Israel. And Matthew writes from the perspective 
Mark writing from the standpoint of the gospel of Christ as a servant. And then we, we are very familiar with another Old Testament says, Behold your God, or behold thy God. And John writes from the, the standpoint of the gospel of presenting Jesus Christ as a son of God. So it, it, it's really interesting to me. I, as I, I looked and ran across those this, this past week, I was trying to find it. I thought, I said, I know that there's some reference. I've read there's some reference to be uh, that says, "Behold, thy King, O Israel," and uh, and I'm trying to to find it, and I'm going in Blue Letter Bible, and and I'm misspelling O. Okay, I'm 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 not putting the O H or the O. So there it is. But I had fun looking at these. So from from these perspectives of the Gospels, we're going to see that that Matthew now is presenting the perspective of that Christ is a king. He's the one that the Old Testament have been promised is, is coming, and now he's coming. Um, Zechariah 9, nine says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation lowly and right upon an ass and upon the colt of the foal of an ass. Matthew chapter 21. Who's got that? Read the first 11 Verses to us. Matthew 21. Who's got it? Stand up, read it good and loud. This is a a fulfilling matter of fact. Matthew makes a point of going back and making the connection with Zechariah 9.9. That this is a fulfillment of that prophecy uh, that the prophet prophesied. Now with that, as he's presenting uh, Jesus as the king of Israel. Matthew starts out. it's, It's important for a king... His lineage, his ancestry, because usually uh, they, they want to, usually they're, they're connected to a royal line. There's something there that, uh, that says they're, that they're fitting for this position because of, they just, of their ancestry. Matthew starts this out. And in Matthew 1, 1, he says, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Now, now look at that. The son of David. Of course, every, every, every Jewish reader every realized the, the significance of David's reign, of the, the prominence that under David of Israel becoming this, this world power and then the, the, the splendor in the, in the, uh, of Solomon's uh, heir, uh, uh, or David's heir, Solomon after him. So he, that's why Mark, Matthew, I think Matthew starts out the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. And then he says, the son of Abraham. Now, it's interesting in Genesis, go with me to Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis 22, and this is a story, this is the, the, it's significant, I think. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Remember, God had promised he was going to make a great nation of him. And, uh, and uh, Sarah was too old to have a child, so Sarah and Abraham tried to help God out. And what was it, Ishmael was born. And, uh, and, and God said, that's not the way I do things. So then God told him he was going to give him a son by Sarah. And so after Sarah was too old to have kids and Abraham was up in years, she had this son, was it Isaac? Was it Isaac? 
All right, and then, uh, so God tested him and said to Abraham, Behold, and Abraham said, I'm here. And God said to him, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. It's interesting to me that, that, again, that God refers to him as his only son because Ishmael at this point is probably a young teenager. But if you, when we get over, as you read in the New Testament, you'll see again that Isaac is a son of promise. Ishmael is, is a constant reminder to, I believe to me, but to Abraham and the others, he was a constant reminder that when, reminder that when we try to help God out, God says he's going to do something and we say, okay, but I don't see how you can do that. I can help you out a little bit. That's when we get in big trouble. Okay. But he says, take now your son, the only son Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, offering up on one of the mountains that I'm going to show you. And Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he, uh, he split the wood for the burnt offering and he got up and he went to the place which the Lord had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw, and, and God said, this, this is the mountain. And my understanding is that this is, this is uh, probably where the Temple Mount is now, up around, may even be the very spot where uh, the Dome of the Rock is sitting, somewhere in that area. And on the third day, I say, Go back up, Craig, let me get a run there. God said, this is it. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the animals and me and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. I love that statement. Uh, and and it's, it's a big statement. And the only way I can, and can just, all I know is Hebrews, when it's talking about, in Hebrews 11, it's talking about the men and women of this, this hall of, great hall of faith, that the people that have trusted God, had great faith. In Hebrews 11, it says that by faith, Abraham offered Isaac, knowing that God was even able to raise him up from the dead. Now, you know, I mean, we look, and I'm thinking, God, first of all, I can't understand why God would, would give you a son and then say, I want you to go sacrifice him. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's unheard of. You don't do that. He must have surely, there's had to be times when he say, God, this is not you. This is Satan trying to, this is Satan trying to trick me to get me to, to kill the son of promise. So there must have been a time, Jim, when he was wrestling and said, okay, I, I, think I, I thought I knew God's voice. I've known God. Is this really you? But then when he gets to that point of, of really settled, it's God. Then the faith he had. Now, remember, we're looking back and we're, we have God. We, we've got scriptures and we've got Christ raised from the dead. Christ's great uh, pronunciation there to Mary and Martha. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he, you know, though he did, he'll live. But here Abraham says to the, to the men, you stay here and uh, Isaac and me are going on and we'll be back. That's what I said, and we'll be back. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and he put it on Isaac, his son. And you get to picture in this again of, uh, of, of so much of Christ carrying the cross, of, uh, of the miraculous birth of Christ, of the miraculous birth of Isaac. Um, I mean, you, you get this picture. And so he lays the wood upon Isaac. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they go uh, up toward Mount Moriah. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Daddy? Uh, and and he, he said, what do you want, son? And he said, uh, I've got the fire and I've got the wood. And Isaac's old enough to understand that when his dad had sacrificed before, there's always a, 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 a sheep or an animal of some kind. And he said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And then by faith, and you, you're familiar with it. And Abraham said, my son, 
God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went on together. I mean, we read this and, and, and every step, every step that he's taken up the mountain, every step he's taken, Abraham knowing what God's called him to do. And it's, it's just amazing to me. And uh, so as they go up the mountain and they came to a place which God had told them of and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wooden altar. And by this time, this, uh, this is really when, and then he, he, he ties Isaac, his son. He, tie, he ties his, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he ties his, probably his hands and his feet. And uh, maybe it's a picture I've seen growing by, I don't know, but a picture of him, of, the, of, of this young son. And he, and he takes him and then he lays him on top of the wood on the altar. We're not told of any interchange there between Isaac and his dad. Uh, wow. Wow. All I can say is this. It's, it's almost. And then Abraham stretches forth his hand and took the knife to, uh, to most likely slit the throat of his son. God steps in and, uh, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven and said, Abraham. Now, I imagine this is one of those times uh, when, when God didn't have to shout. He probably whispered, but he may have spoke loudly. But Abraham's listening, you know. We used to joke with dad uh, we, when Barbara and I were living in San Francisco. And uh, it was very clearly that God had led us there. It was very clearly that, he, that his hand was in getting us out there. And, uh, and uh, dad's, dad would jokingly say, well, son, when's God going to lead you home? You know, and, uh, jo- and a couple times I remember saying to him jokingly, hey, all you'd have to do is whisper and we'll be on our way back. I mean, I, it, really, it really took fleeces. I mean, you, 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 those of you who know our story, it, it took almost like, okay, there's got to be a water in the desert to let us know this is really what you're calling us to do. Because we were doing a lot of good stuff for God. We thought, I mean, we were. We were being obedient. Where he called us, we were working with the youth. We were working in the church. We were working, had, had great jobs. Just had a young baby. God was blessing us, man. You know? And sometimes God just takes all those things that when we think, oh, this is God's blessings. And he said, um, and he says to us, lay them on the altar. And that, that's maybe that's why I relate so much to Abraham. Because I guarantee you, I, there was a lot of praying going on. God, um, this is neat. And I, I could give, for every reason God would give me to obey him, I could give him two of why it had not to be his voice I was hearing. But whatever I was eating or whatever the Satan was trying to do, you know. But here, uh, and so I would say, I said to daddy, God just has to whisper. But he had to do more of that. We know his voice. And so when God speaks to Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham, and Abraham says, yeah. And he said, don't, don't hurt your son. Don't hurt your son. For now I know that you fear God and you've not withheld your only son. Your son, your only son. In other words, he said, Abraham, now I know that you love me more than anything else in the world and the world itself. I know that your love for me is greater. Now look at what happens here. And so Abraham lifts up his eyes and looks, and behold, a ram caught in the thickets by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Okay. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. This is where we get right that the Lord God provides. Okay. He, he provides. In the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham out of heaven the second time. 
And this is the, this, this, this is the promise. And he said, by myself, I've sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and not kept your son, your only son, that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand, which is above on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your seed, look at this, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Through Abraham's seed. Here God is promising to Abraham. And I think is is in, in my in the, in the Bible I've got that was given to me in my graduation in 1968. And uh, so I had it on my desk out there this weekend. I was reading. And, and in, in that, that particular Bible, in the Old Testament, it has a little star out from every reference or prophetic reference to the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. And this, there's a star by this verse 18 uh, that, that says that God said to Abraham, and through your seed, through your seed, I'm going to bless the whole world. And I believe that, that God was referring at this point that uh, uh, someone that would come through the seed of Abraham. And now Matthew going back is saying, this is fulfillment of the promise that God made Abraham when he gave, offered his son Isaac, that Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And in the same way, we don't have to, 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 to go there, but in Genesis 26, Verses uh, 1 through 4, God confirms this promise that he made to Abraham to Isaac. Now when Isaac is older, and he confirms and he says, Isaac, through your seed. So here you've, you've got these prophecies of through Abraham, through Isaac. And then in Genesis 28, verses 10 through 14, you've got God now confirming to Isaac's son, Jacob, that God's saying to Jacob, Jacob. Through your father Isaac, through your grandfather Abraham, I am. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna send one who's gonna who's gonna change the world. I'm gonna send one that's going to, to be a promise of God. That's gonna come in a miraculous way, and all those are fulfilling of the prophecies of um, of the coming of the of this of the Christ of Jesus Christ. And back in Matthew, it says, And Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and they, Jacob, Judah, and his brethren. And uh, then it's a story. And every one of these, I read these, and I think every one of them is almost a story. Judah, how his son was married to Tamar, died with no kids. And then how the situation there, and then through Tamar, then through Pharaoh and Esram, uh, and Amram. And then verse 4, Amram begat Amenadab, Amenadab begat Nashon, Nashon begat Salmon. And then verse 5, and when you get to verse 5, boy, you're getting some good stuff. Verse 5 says, and Salmon begat Boaz of uh, Rahab. Rahab is, uh, is this, uh, remember the story of Rahab? What do we know about Rahab? She was a harlot, she, and she lived in uh, Jericho. Yeah, the, the, the Jewish, the, the Israeli spies came to spy out Jericho as, as uh, they were on the, you know, Jer- uh, God was, was delivering enemies into their hands. They, the, Jews, the, the Jewish spies, is it Jewish, Israeli spies? 
I don't make any difference there. They were, that's who they were. But they came into Jericho. Authorities get word they're there. They go into Rahab's house that's built into the wall of the town. Uh, and, and the scripture says she was a prostitute. And they, they go into her house and she hears that they're, they're, they say they're, they're hunting for us. She takes them up on top of their house. Remember, remember that story? Um, where is that? Joshua 6. Joshua 6. That's the story. Is She takes them up there. She hides them. The men come looking for him. She sends him off the, in the wrong direction. And then she goes up on top of the rooftop and tells the spies, hey, they, I've sent them the wrong way. I think I can let you down now. But there's, the spies say, okay, uh, because you've done this for us, we're gonna, when we take the city, and of course the, the inhabitants of Jericho felt very secure, the walls were impenetrable, but when we take the city, you be sure that when the siege starts, get your family... In your house. Don't anybody go out in the streets. If you go out in the street, they're allowed to be killed. And we can't be responsible. But you get everybody in your, your house. And then there was a sign they gave him. Joshua 6, 25. And Joshua saved uh, Rahab the heart alive in her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even to this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spout Jericho. You remember the sign? That he gave her the scarlet thread in the window. You hang this scarlet thread, the scarlet cord, cord. Yeah, it's probably bigger than a thread. I think of a the scarlet cord. Now, what do you think that's representing? Absolutely, it's 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 another just another. Hey, the scarlet, the blood. I think of the Passover. Remember back in Egypt before they before they let him out. They had to have the blood applied. And so this scarlet cord. And this lady, regardless of her past, and in verse 5, I see so much grace and forgiveness and mercy and excitement that God uses. And so here he's saying that, that, that uh, Boaz, uh, that Salmon with Rahab had Boaz. Now, you remember the story that Boaz and this, this love story, Old Testament love story in the book of Ruth. Whoo! Whoo! I mean, the thresh, the night at the threshing floor, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, handfuls left on purpose and her taking a bushel or a bushel and a half of grain home to her, her mother-in-law, Naomi. And, uh, and Naomi realizing, hey, somebody's, t- somebody's taking notice of you, young, young girl. You, you remember the whole story. Now, Ruth was not a Jewish girl. What, what nationality was Ruth? Moabite. She was a Moabite. This. Yeah, she was from Moab. Remember Ruth and Orpah that, uh, that, that uh, Naomi and, and her husband had, had, had left Israel? To go because of famine to find work, found food. While they were there in Moab, her, her two sons marry. What was that Malion and Chilion? I, I, you know. Anyway, they, they, they marry. They both die. And so uh, Naomi hears things are better back where, where that she came from. And all she, you know, now all she's got, she's lost her husband. She's lost both her sons. And she's got these two foreign daughter-in-laws. And so uh, Naomi's going to go back. And, uh, and Orpah and Ruth are kind of going with them, and they come to a point, and, and Naomi says, Girls, you know, hey, I'm too old. I'm not going to have any more 
I'm not going to have any more sons. And the custom was, you know, if, if, uh, if, a, if a son died, didn't have any kids, that a brother that was unmarried would marry that, keep, you know, and, and keep the family going. She said, I'm not, you know, I, I'm old. I'm not going to have any more boys. You go back to your, your people. You know, it's more likely, because if, if you go to, to, to Israel with me, you know, there's liable to be some racial prejudice there. You know, hey, it's not going to be easy sailing. And I have nothing left there but hardship. And remember, Orpah, uh, Naomi says, and, and, and uh, Orpah says, all right, I will. And remember the big story that there, Ruth. Well, she said, where you go, I'll go. Uh, where you die, I'll die. Your people will be my people. This beautiful, beautiful story. So Ruth goes with her. And there, while Ruth's gleaning the fields and, and providing for her older mother-in-law and her, she, Ruth, this young widow, is taken notice of by this older gentleman, older landowner, Boaz. And he's a, he's a man of integrity. And uh, remember the, the story of how when her mother-in-law tells her, hey, hey, this is, this is something special. Um, and by the way, he's, uh, you know, he is one of the kinsmen that could, uh, could take care of us. So you go do this. And so she does, and Boaz sends her back and said, hey, I'll take care of this mantle before the day's out. But there's somebody else that's a closer kinsman than you than I am. Remember the story there. And he goes, and, he, and the guy says, absolutely, I'll take care of her. And, and um, Boaz says, okay, but, but not only, it's, not, it's a package deal. It's Ruth, and it's, it's her mother-in-law, Naomi. And, you know, and any kids that you and Ruth have are going to be heirs with just like your sons and daughters. And he says, I don't know if I want to do that or not. And uh, Boaz was in love with Ruth. And Boaz said, all right, all right, all right. Here, you take my sandal. I'll take yours. We'll swap this out or however we do it. And, uh, and I'll do that. I'll claim the right to her. And so in, in the book of Ruth, we have, we have Boaz, and he's, he's known as the kinsman. What is that? The kinsman redeemer, which is another picture of our redeemer, Jesus Christ, how he redeems us. So you've got, you've got all these stories that's, uh, that's, that's going on in, uh, in, in this genealogy that Matthew has given us in, in the, just in the beginning of his book. And again, these would have been, uh, these names, you know, there, there's some question about when was, uh, when was Matthew written? Uh, and again, I, I, if, if, it's kind of, if he's kind of a contemporary of Mark, uh, 45 to 50 years uh, B.C. Uh, so there's, there's, there, there are people there that, while these names may seem strange to us, and uh, there's some people there that probably say, oh, I know that family. I know that family and they could, you know, and they're relating to this and we look and we see again, we look and we see the, the grace and the, the mercy and the inclusiveness of, um, of God as he, as he, uh, includes that. I just want to read, I'm going to pick up verse six. I'm going to read down probably the verse 18. I, I just, I, 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 there's several more stories in there. Uh, I'm not going to do those. I'm just going to, we're going to go down to verse 18, and then we'll stop, and Lord willing, uh, the next time I preach, I want to I pick up in verse 18, I want to talk about Joseph. Uh, 
a man that God picked for the right job. Okay, there's going to be this, the stepfather that was going to raise and care for his son. And God picked him. I've, I've preached a lot of sermons on Mary uh, and how special she was. And the angels telling her, hey, you, you're handpicked by God. He's, he's picked you, Mary, for this. And we'll talk about Joseph. But let's look. All right, in verse 6, and I'll probably butcher a lot of these. But, but uh, Boaz through Rahab. Uh, our Salmon, uh, Boaz is, uh, then Salmon and Rahab have Boaz. So Boaz, it grows up with knowing that, um, you know, hey, he's got a mother that's not a Jewish. And so this, he, he sees what an awesome woman and how God is blessed. And then Boaz marries this Moabite named Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth, verse 6 tells us that they had, uh, verse 5 says that Boaz and Ruth have Obed. And then Obed has Jesse. And of course, we know that Jesse is the father of David. All right. So what does that make? make uh, Jesse's, David's daddy was Jesse. David's grandfather was Obed. David's great-grandfather would have been Boaz, right? David's great-grandmother would have been Ruth. Wow. Okay. So Jesse begets David, the king, verse 6 says. Now we go back. Here is that king. Here is, here is, the writer of the book of Matthew has done a great job. Here he's laid it out. This is Jesus' lineage through the royal line of David back to King David. And not only back to King David, but he goes all the way back through the prophetic promises of the one who would come, not just in the kingly earthly realm, but in the spiritual realm, the one that's promised, and he goes back from David to Jacob to Isaac to Abraham. And he, he goes on, and he says, um, and Jesse begat David the king, and king begat Solomon uh, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. And he goes all the way down and all these names. Uh, and then in verse 16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. And you're going to see again, the way way he he presents it has to be very clear. And the the Holy Spirit of God is, is using this Jewish writer to make it just that clear. That now, Joseph, while he was the husband of Mary... Jesus was not begat by Joseph and Mary. Jesus was born of Mary. Jesus who is called the Christ. And then verse 17 says, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14. From David to the carrying away of, of, of exile into Babylon was 14. And the carrying away of, of exile in Babylon until Christ was born is 14 Probably some significance there, I think, again, of, of, of how God does things in exactly the right time, in exactly the right way. And, and, that, and, and as the writer of Matthew is saying, hey, you just need to see as we, as, as, as before I ever get started with this, he's saying, you need to know that there's no mistaking that the one that I'm writing about, the king of Israel, is the one that God promised 
And as we go through this, we're going to see the significance of not only realizing that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the king that was the king of Israel. But he, he also wants to be our king. Our king. We'll pick up with Joseph in verse 18. I just get you, get you hit the ground running. 